Hey there, I'm Sarah K. Hoffman, a holistic health coach and chief gutsy of a gutsygirl.com. I went from bloated, gassy, and infertile to living my best life with a strong microbiome and a very full house. On this show, no topic is too stinky to discuss and everything can be broken down into practical, digestible takeaways. So grab a cup of bone broth, veggie broth, or a soothing golden latte if you prefer, and come along as I show you how the number two might just be your new number one. Hello, thank you for joining me for episode 53 of the A Gutsy Girl podcast. I am Sarah K. Hoffman, aka A Gutsy Girl, and your host for this show. You'll find me mostly hanging out on Instagram at A Gutsy Girl, on my YouTube channel via agutsygirl.com, and obviously right here weekly. Up today on A Gutsy Girl Bites number eight episode, I am giving you my thoughts on fasting for SIBO. This is a huge topic in the community and one that I have both research and personal experience with. So I wanted to dig into it with you today. First, I will be very transparent with you and say that this is one of the things that I mention as part of how I healed SIBO long-term. There are 17 things on that list and fasting is one of them. I will link to all 17 in the show notes. As a quick refresher, SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And it occurs when more bacteria is found in the small intestine than should be there, aka an overgrowth. So now you know that if, which is how I'm going to refer to it for the rest of the show, it's just the shortened version of intermittent fasting. If was part of my long-term healing, I thought this could perhaps be a helpful conversation. However, It may or may not be right for you, so I want to lay out some things. First, here is a little intermittent fasting 101. James Clear described it simply and perfectly. Intermittent fasting is not a diet. It is a pattern of eating. It is a way of scheduling your meals so that you get the most out of them. Intermittent fasting doesn't change what you eat. It changes when you eat. Okay, so it is literally no more or no less complicated than that. What can be perceived as a little complicated about if, though, are the many different patterns of eating you can choose. So Dr. Amy Shaw, that is spelled S-H-A-H, she is the fasting MD on Instagram, shares a lot of great things regarding intermittent fasting. She once shared a great graphic that broke out the following types of intermittent fasts. There are five of them, and I want to quickly share all five of them with you. Number one is an alternate day fast. So you would fast for 36 hours, and then 12 hours you would eat, and you repeat the cycle. Number two Eat, stop, eat. This is a full day fast, and you do this just one to two days a week. Number three is a five, two. What this means is a full day fast for two days, but with five to 600 calories. So it's not completely not eating, 
but it's very minimal. Number four is a reverse fast. This is 12 hours starting before 8 p.m., two days, 16 hours. And then the last one is a 16-8, which honestly, I feel like this is probably the most common one that we hear, see, and talk about. And this is essentially eating from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then fasting the rest of the time. It can really be any time of the day where you are fasting for 16 hours and eating just during an eight-hour window. So during the fasting window, you eat no food and are limited to only drinking water, tea, and black coffee, though that area is a little gray because many people say it's okay to have quote-unquote bulletproof coffee, which is coffee with coconut oil, ghee butter, etc. as well. During the feeding window, you eat as you normally would. If you have SIBO and it's active, you should eat high-quality, nourishing foods to help heal your gut without including FODMAP foods if that's what your doctor recommended. All right, so then, why can intermittent fasting help those with SIBO? So SIBO, if we recall, occurs when there is an abnormally large amount of bacteria in the small intestine. The goal is to eradicate that and to have a more balanced bacterial load in the small and large intestine. In order to do this, though, two main things need to happen in my experiences. Number one, bacteria needs to normalize. The overgrowth needs to be stopped. And number two, motility needs to normalize. And also in my experiences, intermittent fasting helps with both of these. Number one, when our digestive system is given a break, the body is not processing anything and thus there is nothing to feed the plethora of bacteria in the small intestine. And number two, the migrating motor complex, which stands for MMC, or which is shortened to MMC, I talk about it all the time, is a recurring cyclic motility pattern that occurs in the stomach and small bowel during fasting. It is only interrupted by feeding. It occurs every 90 to 120 minutes, but only while fasting. Normalizing the MMC could help with SIBO relapse and initial occurrence. So there you have the good, which all of those things, if you've never tried this right now, you're probably jumping up and down and super excited to dive in, learn more and do all the things. But I would be completely remiss if I did not share the drawbacks and potential cautionary points with you. So who should not do intermittent fasting? With all the research out there on intermittent fasting and its health benefits in general and for SIBO, I personally do not believe it is for everyone. And when I say it, I mean doing intermittent fasting the traditional way, which are the points I previously described, with super long and extended periods without food. Here are three populations I believe need to tread lightly on diving in headfirst with traditional intermittent fasting. 
Number one, women with hormonal issues and women in general. Dr. Amy says the problem with fasting too aggressively in women is that we are so sensitive to starvation signals. If our body senses that there is starvation, it will turn up the hunger signals such as ghrelin. When the body senses starvation, you run the risk of irregular periods, infertility, poor bone health, and other health effects. Take it from someone who knows it is not worth it. Also note, this does not mean it's not okay for all women. You know who you are if it's something or not something for you right now. Number two, people with diabetes. It's always cautioned for those with diabetes or those taking medications for low blood pressure to really know and understand and work with someone if you are wanting to practice intermittent fasting. And number three, those with a history of eating disorder. If you've ever had a past that includes any sort of eating disorder, traditional intermittent fasting can be extremely triggering. This makes logical sense. Long periods of no eating, except maybe some black coffee with coconut oil, with the quote-unquote bonus feeling of accomplishment and weight loss. I realize that there are people out there who will say intermittent fasting is for anyone and everyone, but really it's not. So how I personally do intermittent fasting today and did while healing, I want to break it down for you and tell you the way that I did it in the most honest and transparent way possible. So I do 12 to 14 hours usually and average most days per week. When I say 12 to 14 hours, what I mean is I fast for that long. For me personally, given my history of low-functioning thyroid and adrenal fatigue, going over the 14 hours feels far more stressful to my body than the extra benefits it might provide if I held out longer. Also, I discovered that for the purposes of SIBO, I did not need to go longer. A sample day of intermittent fasting for SIBO for me looked like this. I would wake up and fast until about 7.30 or 8 a.m. Then I would eat usually three meals and sometimes a snack, not that often, sometimes until 5 or 6 p.m. Then I stop eating and my fast begins. Now, this is a note and it's a huge note, but quote unquote, normal people don't eat that last meal until 7 or 8 p.m. That's why and how I am able to eat much earlier in the morning. Keep in mind also that I'm up around 4 or 5 a.m. So by 7.30 or 8 a.m., I'm really ready for a big breakfast. Another huge thing I want to make note of is that in addition to intermittent fasting, I also practice meal spacing. This was another key thing I did to heal SIBO and I do it to this day. Meal spacing is what I practice throughout the day. Instead of snacking every hour on the hour, yes, I used to do this, I now ensure at least three to four hours in between meals. This has to do with the MMC, the migrating motor complex that I previously mentioned. I believe in both intermittent fasting and meal spacing so much that if you have my 90-day gut healing journal, both are listed in the journal key as lifestyle actions you can choose to track. And what I personally found while healing SIBO was that it wasn't as much about what I ate, i.e. remaining strict low FODMAP, gluten-free, etc., as it was more about all the lifestyle things like this, i.e. how I was eating. I'm not saying that what you eat will or won't matter because it does. 
But if you think you're in a place to try either or both intermittent fasting and meal spacing, consider it. When I first started it, I didn't want it to stress me out. Yeah, not eating did stress me out because my subconscious would say, oh no, you're dieting again. You're going to starve or now you'll crave everything and so on. And you don't want it to stress you out either because believe me, the stress negatives will outweigh the fasting benefits. So I told myself to just do it one day at a time. I did just one to two days per week to start for just 12 hours each time. I kept it as simple and stress-free as possible. And in return, I started seeing the massive benefits so I would increase the number of days per week I did until now when I'm healed and still practice intermittent fasting six to seven days per week for 12 to 14 hours a day. All right, I hope this has been a super helpful bite-sized episode. I'm sure you have questions, so feel free to send them my way at podcast at agetsygirl.com. I can also be reached via my website and also on Instagram at agetsygirl. If you liked this Agetsygirl podcast episode, share it. I cannot wait to hang it out again soon. I will see you again next time. (music) 